There's no doubt that Formula One is the pinnacle of technology, both in terms of engine, chassis and electronics. However, when we're dealing with the older F1 cars now, sometimes getting access to the software and the systems to maintain the engine management can be a little bit tricky, particularly with some of these heritage cars, we are seeing the need for the electronics package to be updated. Now behind me, we've got an FW19 Williams F1 car. This was raced by Jacques Villeneuve in the 1990s. 97 race series and we're here with Milan from Persis Tech who has been charged with an electronics upgrade on this particular car. We're going to find out what actually goes into modernising a 1997 F1 car. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. 1997, it's a while back, but still in terms of electronics, I'm guessing that the systems in this car were still pretty advanced. What was the sort of impetus for upgrading them? So I think the main reason to upgrade the system was to be able to maintain it these days because, you know, the laptops and the computers from 1997 are no longer supported by Microsoft or, or any of the PC companies. So that was one of, the, one of the main goals, as well as being able to have people knowing the system and being able to support it. So... Can we go back and talk about what was the ECU or, uh, engine control unit fitted to the car back in 97? So back in 97 it was ma- Magnet Marale system, I believe it was a compulsory system for every team in the, in the championship. And uh, so what sort of the thing we, we did is that we replaced it with modern Cosworth electronics system that is uh, you know, sustainable running the highest motorsport events in the world, LMP1, LMP2. When you're looking at doing an upgrade for the electronics on a car that is so valuable with so much heritage behind it, uh, what sort of considerations do you need to keep in mind? Is it possible to revert to the original Magneti Morale if you wanted to for any reason or is this a whole new wiring harness to suit the Cosworth? It is actually the whole new wiring. It's not possible easily to revert back to Magneti Morale as well as the parts aren't available anymore. So, you know, it, as from the perspective of the spare parts, it's really easy to go and buy a new Cosworth Electronics book, but it's not possible to buy an old Magneti model. In terms of integrating that uh, engine control unit with the rest of the, the chassis electronics, uh, I understand there is still a Williams control unit there that's in charge of some of the other parts on the car. Can you talk to us about that and what it does? So the entire chassis system is controlled by a VCM, which is a vehicle control management system designed and built by Williams. So Williams is still able to supply and, and uh, maintain the functionality of that box. They, they're getting short on the parts of, of you know, such, a, such an old box, but they still have the people working at the factory being able to, to calibrate and, and set up the, all the hydraulics things because that's the most advanced parts on the car. You know, the gearbox is hydraulic, the clutch is hydraulic, uh, differentials hydraulic, so uh, that's, that's the most difficult bit of it. 
Okay, so just to clarify that, that, that VCM unit there is controlling aspects such as the clutch engagement. Now, unlike a normal road car, that's controlled by a paddle on the, the back of the steering wheel. And you've also got, in this case, uh, the gearbox is mainly a conventional dog engagement sequential gearbox, but hydraulically actuated. Now, I'm, I'm guessing, though, there's going to be some interaction between the brand new Cosworth Electronics and their older Williams VCM. So uh, how does that work? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, this is actually, that was surprising to me, on, on this 1997 car, but the first one we we sort of plug and played with Cosworth Electronics system was 1992, the FW14B. And the communication is established by Ken 2.0B, which is you know still used in the modern cars. So that was you know a bit surprising for me to be honest. That's uh, fairly early on, I would think, for uh, Ken to be using being being used in the motorsport industry. But again, I guess that's where F1 really is different. It is that pinnacle of motorsport. So these days, for both uh, factory engine management systems as well as our aftermarket ECUs. Uh, CAN is a fairly common protocol, two-way communication bus where messages can be sent between different electronic modules. So how exactly, once you've sort of integrated with that CAN bus, how exactly are you utilising those messages between the VCM and the Cosworth ECU? So starting at the 1992, it was more of a basic communication, just, you know, throttle RPM and then just information about shifting being triggered. Going more modern cars to 1997, as this one FW19 is, it's, uh, there is more information sent over for the logger mainly, because the VCM is also a, a complete chassis logger for the team. So there is multiplex messages and uh, you know messages sent on one kilohertz with, with all the information from the engine to the chassis system, as well as the chassis system tells more about the rev limiter for the gear shift, uh, about the clutch position, about the torque being, being delivered. Uh, just let's talk about one aspect of that that you've just mentioned there, that, that shift strategy. So integrating the Cosworth ECU with that VCM. So let's say, for example, in this case, the driver uses the upshift paddle on the back of the steering wheel. Uh, can you talk us through the process that the shift goes through? So when, as soon as the driver hits the pedal, the VCM processes the information, calculates the target RPM after the shift, knowing the gear ratio, and uh, basically sends an information to the ECU to, to reduce the RPM, you know, that's, that's all then handled in the ECU, how the RPM is reduced. But it's not a conventional cut as, it, as you could see on, the, on, a, on other aftermarket ECUs. It's all controlled by torque and rev limit kind of thing. So a little bit more advanced than just requesting an ignition cut, for example. For example, yes. And uh, drive-by-wire throttle body on this particular car as well? Yes, there is drive-by-wire. It was originally hydraulic with all, the small, with all the system. It's not so easy these days to store hydraulic controllers. So we, we, we replaced the hydraulic actuator with an electric motor that, that's uh, fast enough to, to control the throttles on this car. And we just talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, this car obviously already has a hydraulic system on board. So you've got the, the reservoir there with high pressure hydraulic fluid. So you're using that already for the gear shift and for the clutch. So uh, interesting, like in the, in the motorsport world, we deal with drive-by-wire. Almost always we're going to be dealing with electric. So can you talk to us about the advantages why uh, drive-by-wire was done with uh, hydraulic back in those days? So I think one of the reasons, as you just said, is that the hydraulic system was already on board for all the rest of the of the chassis system. But the main advantage on an F1 car is that it's really fast. 
if you if you compare the speed on of the movement of the fly-by-wire electric motor to the hydraulic stuff, the size of the fly-by-wire would need to be so big to to achieve the same sort of speed. So that's I think the main main thing. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com/free and start developing your own skills today. All right, let's get into the engine itself. So there was a lot of different specifications of engine as we saw the years go by with Formula One and rules change. Uh, what specific engine is fitted to this 1997 chassis? So this FW19 is a Renault 10-cylinder V10 engine. Uh, which is uh, air, air, air spring valves, so that's that's pretty normal. It was since 1992 with with all the V10 V10 engines, which started as three and a half liter. Then in '94, I believe it, it's uh, the FIA reduced it to three liter engines. Uh, so it's really high revving engine. The what engine. sort of RPM are you seeing at the at the peak? So the peak is 16,000 RPM on this one, which is pretty impressive, considering the technology these days. So. Uh, talking about the pneumatic valve spring technology there, is there anything tricky that you have to do with the Cosworth ECU in order to manage that side of things or is that just separate to the ECU? So that's mechanically separate to the ECU. The only thing that we control is, is the safety. So if we lose the pressure in the, in the springs, we, we stop the engine because that would be a severe damage to it. Uh, just talking about the calibration of the, the engine, sort of, can you tell us for a start what sort of power is it producing? So the power is about 650 horsepower. Uh, it's it's been calibrated on a dyno as, as a normal engine would be. The the, the tricky bit is is a so low inertia. So to, to break the engine or to catch the engine on a dyno, there is a special procedure to, to do this. It's that's to be the main difference to normal road engines, for example. Uh, when you're starting with tuning a very expensive bespoke F1 engine revving a 16,000 RPM producing in excess of 600 horsepower naturally aspirated, it's got to be a fairly daunting task. Uh, are you able to start with a base calibration essentially sucked out of the initial uh, or original Magneti Morelli ECU or are you literally starting from a blank sheet of paper on the Cosworth? Yeah, actually, thanks to the Cosworth Electronics, we were able to reverse engineer the, the whole ECU from the Magneti Morelli system. And that was our base calibration for the for the new start on the dyno. Now these days, in terms of the way the car's being used, obviously it's not being raced in anger and for exhibition and historic racing, probably I'm guessing you don't want to be pushing that engine to the limit. So is there anything you do to detune it or basically just make it a little bit more reliable so it lasts a little longer? So from the experience, the main thing is to reduce the rev limiter. Uh, it's, it's just enough to reduce it by 1,500 RPM. And the ignition, adva ignition advance is reduced a little bit. You can't reduce it too much, otherwise you would get a lot of heat into the exhaust. So that's the main thing we do. And then you know you need to get a, a professional driver to 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 be able to to handle this. So. Uh, look, Milan, it's been great to get some insight. We don't get to get any of the inside details on older F1 cars too often. So really appreciate the time for the chat today. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.